0: Abraham Lincoln
3: Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong
2: and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: I need to switch gears emotionally as we were just ranting and raving about the school situation. That makes me so damn mad. (sighs) Not exactly sure who to be mad at. Because we are a government. We are a government run by the people. And we're not doing a good job of holding our leaders to account for this stuff. And they're getting away with it. They're bad people for doing it. The guy who broke into my car is the one who did the wrong thing. But from here on out, I should lock my doors or not leave valuables around. Right, I see your Try point. Try to stop the bad people doing, doing things. The the, 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 the the governors who won't open the schools are bad people. But we're allowing them to get away with it, and we don't have to. The media who's not pushing them on this stuff, who's not saying, can you show me any evidence of why the schools can't be open? Or explain to me how a school one mile away that's a private school has been open all year. Do you have an explanation for that? And you don't if need I'm- to be, like, aggressive like I'm sounding. I mean, I would like to hear their answer. There's a private school a mile away. It's been open since August. How do you explain that? They didn't get billions of dollars. I was just
3: plowing through a bunch of stuff on this topic, and and one thing that struck me is they're doing man on the well, actually woman on the street interviews with a bunch of moms about uh, their attitudes reopening schools. <laughs> And several of the moms said, well, I just, I don't want the kids to get sick, and I don't want the teachers to get sick. So getting back to your point about the media, we just do not have a a media anymore that aggressively tries to put the truth out
4: there. That might be the key to it. You know, We got a text earlier from somebody who said, my dad only watches CNN, and he says, yeah, I I can, I can, I can, I, I don't blame the teachers for not wanting to go back. Well, because they're only hearing the press release from the teachers' unions about why it's dangerous to go to school. Come on, we need a more aggressive press. And this is not an up with Trump or down with Trump issue for crying out loud. This shouldn't be a partisan issue. Ask a governor: Why are the private schools open and doing okay, and the public schools aren't? Explain that to me. There's no explanation. There is one. Don't let them
3: throw out a bunch of buzzwords and then you know lingo.
4: Make them answer the damn question. It's a cash grab. <clears throat> it's, it's we're close to too late now. I mean that schools will open eventually and um, and you've lost a year year and a half of schooling they they've won the the money thing they're getting their billions of dollars so that's lost they you, you won you won you punished children you made some of them commit suicide you made some of them miserable and got more money out of it so you won that that's over can well, we open you've the set schools tens out?
3: of millions of children back for a lifetime it's
4: really amazing
3: yeah, it is. It is. Uh, speaking of children and their uh, travails, we have another border crisis, or do we? There are thousands and thousands of Central American kids, unaccompanied minors, not to mention families, flooding to the borders. Because here's, here's a little pro tip for you. The cartels have cable TV. They follow American politics, they know what the policies are at the border, and so now we got the caravans, we got the thousands of people flooding in. It's unquestionably a crisis, unless you ask the guy in charge, Alejandro
2: Mayorkas, who's the director of DHS in clip 40.
1: Do you believe that right now there's a crisis at the border?
2: I think that the, uh, um, the answer is no. Uh, I think there is a challenge at the border. It is a stressful challenge. We are not only in addressing the urgency of the challenge, uh, but also in building the capacity to manage it and to meet our humanitarian aspirations and execution of the president's vision.
4: Come on in. and we got to get to the, the, the one that made me so oh. mad yesterday. It's fantastic. Which one is that?
2: Is that All I 41? can do is communicate both to the American public And to the individuals seeking protection, they need to wait. We are not saying, don't come. We are saying, don't come now, because we will be able to deliver um, a safe and orderly process to them uh, as quickly as possible.
4: You don't want to say out loud, don't come. What? I think he means uh, asylum seekers.
3: But everybody claims to be an asylum seeker. Everybody. I loved how he blamed the Trump administration for the current crisis at the southern border.
4: Seriously? So, Tucker talked about this last week, and I had not seen this before, and I did a little independent research to find out that, yeah, this is true. This is a Yale and MIT study. He ran a montage of people for years saying, we have 11 million illegal immigrants. 11 million illegal immigrants. With 11 million illegal, we've got to get a path for citizenship for 11 million. 11 has been the settled number for some reason. He was asking, where'd this come from? How do you know it's 11? What is, it? so he went with this Yale and MIT study where they figured out through much more complicated means of, um, using everything from Social Security numbers to uh, wages to all kinds of different ways to try to measure how many people there are here illegally. And Mm -hmm. Yale and MIT said it's somewhere between 16 and 29 million illegal immigrants in the United States, with the average being of where they think it is, 22. So the most likely number is 22, but it's somewhere between 16 and 29 million illegal immigrants in the United States of America, which is astounding. So something around 8% of the population, you know,
3: rough numbers, is uh, in the country illegally. There's no other country on Earth that has that situation.
4: So the fact that we're not talking about, you know, in in real serious terms about how to stop that number from growing or allowing that to happen again is really quite amazing.
2: We are not saying, don't come. We are saying, don't come now. Yeah, let's follow up with clip number 42.
5: But a Democratic congressman from Texas... I'm sorry,
2: I'm sorry. Is
3: Henry Cuellar introduced in this, or...? Yeah, go ahead. But
5: a Democratic congressman from
3: Texas told Axios the bad guys know how to market that kind of message, adding, you just can't say, yeah, yeah, let everybody in, because then we're affected down there at the border. And then a final note on this topic, uh, Chad Wolf, the old DHS guy in 43.
4: Everyone knows there's a crisis going on, and I think that the leader of the department needs to be honest with the American people. You know, it's it's another example of the, I just wish the media would ask the most basic questions. When a guy stands up there and says, hey, and we're not saying don't come, we're just not saying don't come now. Who are you talking about specifically? Somebody should ask. Are you saying don't come to illegal immigrants or asylum seekers or who? You should nail that down. I would ask that question if I was a reporter there. And a perfectly fair follow-up question would be what I was
3: posing earlier. Uh, many many people claim to be asylum seekers when they're just economic immigrants. Isn't that true, Mr. Secretary?
4: Most of the young people, um, uh, doing media these days, they ha- make no distinction between illegal and legal immigration. So it's hard right. to have that conversation. Right. Yeah. It's it's he's gonna the, the uh, Joe Biden's gonna have to deal with this on some level, though. I think the numbers are going to get so great that it it will become a news story you can't ignore. Well, and now that Trump's
3: out, I actually saw some of the liberal media reporting on some of these human caravans. So who knows? Maybe they'll be forced into being at least somewhat honest.
4: Um, there is a new way to get kicked off of Twitter forever. Five strikes and you're out. I'm glad that's not the way it works in uh, real baseball. Game would last way too long. <sighs> Aren't they talking about moving to like one or two strikes? Hasn't that mm-hmm. been one of the ideas thrown out there to speed up the game?
3: There have been a few different uh, ideas like that, although uh, you mentioned earlier they're they're going to uh, deaden the ball slightly this season. Just too yeah. many home runs. Will that speed up the game, though? That'll slow down the game, right? Uh, but I don't know. There'll be more action, though. Guys will have to learn to hit line drives again and just get base hits. I think the game would be more exciting, but I'm not sure it'll make it faster. Well, as long as there's something happening, though. You know, an action-packed movie, you don't want it to be too long, but it's action-packed.
4: We don't. If do it. it's dull, it doesn't matter how long it is. That's a pretty good point. Um, but there's a new way to get kicked off of Twitter. Five strikes and you're out. We'll tell you about that, among other things. Conversation with Mike Lyons, military strategist, about that amazing story from 60 Minutes the other night that Iran attacked us big time, uh, one of our military bases, and we covered it up for some reason? And why? And now we know about it. What's going on there? That's all on the way.
5: It was a simple prank and it was harmless. I would never hurt an animal at all, ever. And I didn't know that it was the neighbor's goat because it was always at my cousin's house. So the fact that charges got pressed and now I'm facing felony charges is a little ridiculous, I think.
4: I don't know what her intent was. You know, based on the investigation, the deputy certainly felt it was enough probable cause, enough information to charge her with what she is charged with. What is she being charged with? Painting a goat. Actually, she's being charged with animal cruelty, but there I did not see that coming. Yeah. Uh woman faces felony charge after stealing neighbor's goat and painting it.
3: <laughs> Again, she didn't paint a goat. She painted a goat. <laughs>
4: What did she paint it? A cow? She, she, officials say she took her neighbor's goat and painted it without permission. 34 do you year mind old. if I paint your goat?
3: See, that's all that was required. That's all she had to do.
4: One simple, polite question. <laughs> Just a courtesy. A uh, 34-year-old woman arrested for the crime? Uh, a felony. The theft of any livestock is a misdemeanor, so she gets charged with that. Bond said it's $6,000. Deputies say she removed the goat from her neighbor's property and brought it to her house to show her child. They say at some point she decided to paint the animal and post the photos to social media. Uh, When the goat's owner discovered the animal was missing, uh, they called different neighbors and said, what did they say to the neighbors? Have you seen my goat? Mm. Uh, That's what they said to them. And uh, neighbor said, I've seen photos of your goat painted on social media.
3: (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing. This is a terrible story or something. I don't know.
4: I don't think the, it is. The goat's going to be fine, the probably, goat is, right? It's just it's perfectly it's fur. okay. Yeah, it, the goat appears to be fine. It's a cute little goat. I'm not exactly sure what the...
3: I like the fact that she had to post bonds, so she didn't, you know, skip town on that goat painting charge. <laughs> Go on the lamb, Love the rest of her life on the run from the law.
4: And uh, I like the somebody captured the screen of the Fox 10 there, wherever this was. Uh, Alabama. Um, And the picture of the goat and then the crying underneath that says, Painted goat leads to felony charges. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good headline. That's good journalism.
3: Now that I know what happened, can we hear that clip again?
5: It was a simple prank, and it was harmless. I would never hurt an animal at all, ever. And I didn't know that it was the neighbor's goat because it was always at my cousin's house. So the fact that charges got pressed and now I'm facing felony charges is... A little ridiculous, I think.
4: I don't know what her intent was. You know, based on the investigation, the deputy certainly felt it was enough probable cause, enough information to charge her with what she is charged with. She doesn't sound
3: like a menace to me.
4: Um, yeah, yo, you're going to be whistling a different tune when your goat is an unnatural color. (laughs) Tell you what, if somebody painted
3: my dog, I'd be pretty pissed off.
4: I don't remember how I came across this the other day. Uh, 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 at what age are you officially old? They have, according to science, they also have, according to, um, just surveys of people. And then, of course, the surveys vary depending on how old you are when you're asked. Obviously. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Obviously. In fact, I can give you a pretty good example of that. Young people, for instance, not surprisingly... Um, have a much different view of it than than older. Twenty eight. Yeah. Well, yeah. When asked <laughs> about youth, millennials said that youth ends at age forty. You're no longer young after age forty. Eh, that might be about right. Um, Gen Xers and boomers took a different view, believing that youth is over by age thirty one. <laughs> Gen Xers and boomers. Huh. Okay. That's interesting. Older youth, folks had the lower you know what? Okay, boomer. I'm fine with saying that. Yeah, 30 youth ends youth? about 30 grow up yeah
3: yeah okay you get yeah, a job fly put right. it like yeah, okay
4: yeah. um pay your taxes the silent generation believes youth ends at 35 huh okay so now i get this the way this is being looked at millennials actually have an older age you're like no i can keep uh getting drunk every night and playing video games and living off my parents till i'm 40 i'm still young the older crowd is saying, "Nah, nah, nah, nah. You're you're you already. Uh, you need to get get your life going at, at like thirty, huh? And sure. The crowd that had their third kid at age twenty four thinks that. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Um. Then when they ask, um, what old age is Pew Research Center found that those under thirty believe old age hits before you turn sixty. Fifty seven is the age. Oh, uh, old age hits. Yeah. Middle-aged respondents cite 70 as the start of old age, while those older than 65, and this is probably the crowd to ask, because they know, Mm. they say it's around 74. And that is the crowd to ask. They know when old age hits. My parents know when old age hits. I was talking to my dad about it the other day. It's not theoretical.
3: Yeah. I'm the wrong guy to talk to about this, because A, I'm a pain in the arse, and, and B, I just... If you say age is just a number, I'm going to have to leave the room. Age is just really a number. <laughs> no, it just it varies in so many different ways. I mean, I was hanging out the other day. I, I played some golf, and I was hanging out with a handful of guys in their 60s and 70s, and they were just hilarious. They are just funny guys. Well, uh, you nobody know, said you can't life. be funny at age 70. It's just <laughs> whether you're older or not. I'm not saying that they did. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that if you, if you still have delight in your heart, you know, you're still guffon and enjoying stuff, enjoying companionship and all. It's a, I don't know. That's, that's, that's the stuff of youth, isn't it? I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe I think about this wrong. I mean, my joints hurt all the time. That's not good, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe I'm just not willing to admit it. I think I see your, your, your point is why I even ask this question? Yeah, that is kind of my point. Um, I am what I am. <laughs> Popeye the Sailor Man, the Great Philosopher. <laughs> uh, you remember, I used to do the two different kinds of Popeye. It was yes. pretty funny. They, can't w- do it, anymore. you can't do it. I don't think I haven't even tried because
4: in years. you're what now? Old, I'm old. <laughs> I can't do my Popeye bit. I thought yeah. I saw. I came across a couple of different surveys because I ended up googling it, and there's a bunch of different ones. They vary, but uh, several that said. Old age starts at 57 on average, which I thought was an interesting number to choose. But And again, mm. what does old age mean? I don't know what any of that means. Yeah. yeah I think I might yeah. actually come around to your way of thinking of what's the point of this question. <laughs> You're younger, Sean. Does it make any sense to you to have a point to this uh, question whatsoever? What do you define by youth, right? It's a different age, age of stopping to getting hung over every day as opposed to still finding joy in silly things, right? Like the, I, I think those are those both of those actions could be described as the actions of the young. One I think is much more healthy and acceptable to do later in life than the other. And or is one of them uh you shouldn't wear those jeans. Yeah, wear what you want. Exactly. I'm a wear what you want guy, so hmm Uh, Mike Lyons on the story from 60 Minutes the other night. We got attacked by Iran and then pretended we didn't for some reason. Love to hear his point of view on that. Coming up.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
0: Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Johnson was taking cover in a bunker designed to protect troops against much smaller warheads. Weighing only 60 pounds. Knocked
3: the wind out of me, followed by the most putrid-tasting ammonia-tasting uh, dust that swept through the bunker, coated your teeth.
2: After the blast wave and debris came the flames. The
3: fire was just rolling over the bunkers, you know, like 70 feet in the air. Johnson's bunker provided no protection from that. We're going to burn to death. We start heading down 135 meters make it about a third of the way there. The big voice, we call it, clicks in, incoming, incoming, take cover, take cover, take cover. I've got another football field to run. I don't know when this next missile is going to hit. Can you hear the incoming? You're like a freight train going by you.
4: That's from 60 Minutes on Sunday night. An amazing story. If you didn't see it, I highly recommend it. You remember Trump killed the top general in Iran... Then they decided they need to retaliate. But the story we were told, and I believed, and I guess everybody believed until Sunday night, was they kind of gave us a heads up. We knew they had to save face. They had to save face for the world and for their own people. So they gave us a heads up. Hey, we're going to lob a couple missiles toward one of your military bases. You know, get everybody out of there. Make sure nobody gets hurt. They did. Then everybody kind of joked about how ridiculous it is we had to go through this whole thing. That was more or less the end of it. Right. And it turns out it was one of the biggest attacks, air, air attacks with missiles we've ever had in history on the United States. Iran was clearly trying to destroy a whole bunch of our equipment, planes and everything like that, and could have killed, would have killed, if we'd have left everybody there, hundreds and hundreds of American citizens.
3: Yeah, one of the more interesting aspects of the story was that our intelligence services and capabilities are so good, we figured out what was going on, and at precisely the right moment, evacuated the equipment and the people, which saved countless lives. But it's practically a miracle we didn't lose countless lives.
4: Yeah, they still had to leave a crew behind to man the base, and it is it is stunning that we didn't have anybody die. And why did we cover up the fact that we were attacked by Iran and what, what what the trump administration coming up or the pentagon i don't i don't even know we thought we needed to talk to somebody let's talk about the attack the
3: spin the uh could have bins with military analyst mike lyons served with the united states army very capacity various capacities in the u.s and europe Bronze star winner
4: for his actions in combat mike how are you sir hey good morning guys great to be back anything you want to straighten out about our setup before we get into our questions
5: now spot on i I'm still trying to get my head around what what we were thinking, and um you know that was surely not a recruiting video for the u s military. How do we allow ourselves to get pounded like that um, from the iranians and, and the same thing I had heard back at the time was they had targeted empty buildings, and my sources told me that was what happened now so when that major told that story, you know, a little bit concerning too, when he begins that with a goodbye to his son. I, I'm always concerned about people like that in combat, because, only because, you know, you, you, self-fulfilling prophecies come true. Uh, I can tell you, when I was in combat, I, a lot of my, my soldiers wrote goodbye letters to their wives and things like that, and my wife always asked me why I never did that, and it's because I just think self-fulfilling prophecies come true. I didn't come eight time zones to die in that desert. And, anyway. Interesting. That story, that's re- that's that-
4: really interesting stuff right there. I realize that's kind of an aside, but that's, that's a fascinating yeah. uh, psychological thing.
5: Yeah, I, I, and, and the fact that you're a soldier, you can't think that way. And um, so w- the way that whole 60-minute story began, and then as I st- started you know, getting into more into it, I'm just looking at this going, we've got to be kidding here. I, and But I I actually think after talking to folks in the Trump administration, it's all about how they communicated with the president.
4: So what, what I've been trying to figure out since I watched that, why did – our pentagon or government whoever made the decision wants to right. keep it a secret that iran came at us so hard
5: yeah, i think it had to do with kind of what we're doing as normal business right now and the fact that presidents and i think the last drone strike that president biden just did is another example of so Our presidents are getting out of touch with what the commander-in-chief is supposed to do because he should have been – Trump should have been briefed on all the aspects of this top to bottom. When that mission was over, should have been briefed and, and was to, should have been told the, the extent of the damage that was there. But it seems as though what was only communicated to him was nobody died. And so that was the bar. That was the – as long as nobody died, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to retaliate. I, I just don't get – why we didn't retaliate. It just goes to show that we don't have any strategic vision. We don't have a strategic deterrence. For example, you do that to the Israelis, the strategic deterrence is you get you got one X comes to us, you're getting 10 times coming back to you. And I don't understand why we didn't have Patriot missiles there. Uh, we had airplanes there, and what, was it a politically not expedient to put them there or was the signal that would send? I mean, all, all those mistakes we've made in the past – in the 90s in Mogadishu. So, so again, time after time, these people are so close to the situation, and the president just didn't ask, didn't ask the right questions. And the fact of the matter is, no, the bar wasn't casualties. The bar was they destroyed equipment, they destroyed a lot of different things, and we got to retaliate.
3: Right. Well, they also caused a tremendous amount of traumatic brain injury. Just real quickly, Mike, we got a note from somebody in, in intelligence who knows of somebody who knows of somebody who was in the situation room when the attack was happening and says mm-hmm. that uh, President Trump wanted to strike back immediately and was talked down by Mike Pompeo. Who knows if that's true? Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that you're assuming that the president didn't know the full extent of the attack and the damage done.
5: Well, so, so, the, right, so communication, this gets back to, uh, I, what I've talked to people that have been around the president say, you've got to speak his language. So usually a guy like Donald Trump is not talked out of something like that. But if that was the case, if that, if that happened, if Pompeo talks him out, he would be the guy that could do it. Because he speaks the president's language. And in most cases, that means getting in the word, no casualties, within the first five seconds of the conversation. Uh, and, and that's, you know, really what I think is happening here, and, and I think that the president didn't rely on his instincts well enough, didn't have that, didn't, didn't even seem there was a plan for it. For, for example, the second those rockets left uh, Iranian territory, we had targeted on them. We could have responded immediately to them. Uh, but I also think, again, that question gets back to where are the air defense capabilities and why, if we were going to have all these airplanes sitting in the middle of the desert in, in Iraq, we don't have any way to, to protect them. What, what were we thinking? We'd seen them use those rockets before.
4: If... If three or 70 Americans had died in that attack, which could have very easily happened. Right. I, I feel like if, if we were told about it, I don't think you could keep that secret. Uh, there would have been pretty big public pressure for a, uh, and world pressure to, 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 to strike back, wouldn't there have been?
5: Absolutely, and and that's why that shouldn't have been the bar. And I think, you know, how the story even comes out right now, it, it it obviously fell through the cracks between these two administrations because it just doesn't make us look good. Now, even in the Biden administration, it it comes out, and if he wants to make things better in the Middle East, this story doesn't do that either. So um, so I again I, I'm just surprised on how graphic and how much detail came out. You got a you know four star general there it's speaking about how we're basically running away from these you know, Iranian incoming missiles. I'm just shaking my head saying you had the J O B job to defend that place. Not not to be not to take a pounding like that, but be ready to deliver one back. So I don't know, I'm really concerned.
3: Military analyst Major Mike Lyons is on the line. The other thing my friend in military intelligence said was that if we had retaliated, that could have been a big step toward an eventual war with China. He said, I don't have time to explain right now. I wonder if you have any idea what was on his mind, geopolitically speaking. How did did those steps uh, take place?
5: Okay, so here's a, nobody wants to fight the United States conventionally. I'm not sure, you know, if, if that means that China would have done something in the South China Sea, maybe that would be the case. Um, but no one wants to fight the U.S. conventionally. And so we've got to play to our strength, and this would have been our strength. Our strength would have been responding to this one particular attack. Now, again, we're, we're presu- he's making a presumption or she's making a presumption that China is going to start something with us. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Um, again deterrence what keeps these other countries from doing this in the very beginning Uh, we know what china is because china knows it doesn't want to get into a conventional war with us so what you know again you you look at all these excuses that come out about why we attack and we don't attack again go back to the syrian uh, the recent one with the biden administration thought it was okay now to attack uh, iranians or uh, iraqis inside of syria for a retaliation for a drone strike you know two weeks ago my head is just just shaking because where is this strategic deterrence? The, the person who comes up with the next mutually assured destruction, the next strategic deterrence to keep these countries from attacking us wins the next Nobel Peace Prize.
4: Interesting. Um, so on the timing of this story coming out, Iran's been in the news a lot. The Biden administration and uh, leadership in Iran have been going back and forth of, you got to do this, well, we're not going to do this, you know, negotiating. Mm-hmm. And they said they won't even sit down with us, and they they said you're not allowed to have surprise inspections anymore, and we're going to keep mm-hmm. enriching uranium, all these things. Any, any chance that we wanted this story to come out to help move public opinion mm-hmm. toward, these are bad guys we might have to attack?
5: Well, it's... I don't see us attacking them again either because we don't have any real resources there. We have okay. to deploy You know, – everyone's gone. I mean, those days are over of trying to, to duce anything on the ground there. We can fight them from the air and drone strikes and things, but that, that those days are over. If anything, we're leaving out of Iraq faster than we are before. And we've got an off-ramp to Afghanistan, but, again, those troops are nowhere in the neighborhood either. So, um, no, I, I don't know what's going on. The, the, the this administration is trying to resuscitate this relationship with Iran – just because Donald Trump, of what he did. So it's, it's dumb. It's foolhardy. The bottom line is we need to be all out of the Middle East unless we, have a, unless we come back with a clear strategy as to how we want to deal with it. It's, it's a tinderbox. It'll blow up. But the bottom line is uh, unless we're going to come up with some other strategy from a military perspective, I just we're just wasting our time. Great stuff. Military
3: analyst, Major Mike Lyons. Mike, it's always enlightening. We sure appreciate the time. Thanks for having me.
4: When that last thing he said fit in with uh, Tucker's whole first segment last night on Tucker Carlson was, we need to get out of the Middle East. I mean, unless we got some particular strategy of something we're trying to accomplish, just get out of there. I think we broke Iraq
3: and, and we bought it. I think we feel like there's a moral need to continue to protect it to a large extent from being completely overrun by Iran. I mean, for partly for our own needs, but I don't, I don't know.
4: God, when is, is it... the true story on this going to come out, though? I wonder if it's one of those... 25 years from now when the whatever the, the the law is on keeping things like this secret. I mean, because th- this seems like a pretty major deal that we decided to hide an attack on the United States of this extent.
3: All right. I got a theory for you. See how you like this. And and I always hesitate to disagree with Mike because I, I uh, like him very much and I respect him very much. We beheaded the Republican Guard. We killed General Suleimani. Big deal. Big deal. And provocative. We knew they'd respond. They responded. They wrecked a bunch of stuff. They gave a bunch of our people traumatic brain injury, which is not a joke. I take that very seriously. But none killed. You know, the, the damage to aircraft, uh, minimal. And, and Trump and company looked around. They said, we beheaded Suleimani. We had some injuries. But not, not serious damage to our base. Let's take our winnings and go home instead of escalating and perhaps, you know, letting loose the dogs of war. And, and once you let them loose, you don't know where they're going. That's the point of the expression, the dogs of war. Um, I wonder if they just decided, look, we won round one. Let's call it good.
4: I don't know. Uh, you know, in a vacuum, that'd be okay. But now the rest of the world knows we can be attacked like that. And we just say, ooh. That was close. Don't do anything back. And Iran certainly knows that. We can hit them that hard and they don't respond. I mean, no wonder they were so jumpy that they shot down that uh, airliner the next day. Or whenever that was. No wonder they were so jumpy. They had to be expecting, it's coming now. It's really coming. Because they launched, according to 60 Minutes, the strongest aerial attack in history on the United States. Now, part of that is just technology is better. I mean, sure. Japan wanted it, dude. Those bombs didn't exist. But, I hope um,
3: Pompeo writes the book
4: someday. It was that not a compelling. minor attack at all what Iran launched on our military base. Nope. It was a, we're going to take these bastards out, a lot of them, and a bunch of their planes. It was an act of, full on act of war. Yeah, keeping in mind when they
3: launched, they thought it was a fully staffed, fully equipped air base. And it was only by the grace of our intelligence and, and decent leadership that we got so many planes and people out of there.
4: God, I wonder if they're shocked like on their end they're like, "Wait a second, we just tried to start a war with the United States and they didn't respond. The wow hell? Wow. Hmm. I don't know. If you know or have a theory. Text line 415295 KFTC.
3: the Armstrong and Getty show
4: one text we got about that whole iran story and our interview with Mike Lyons is I will no longer give any credence to anything anyone in government says about any story that's the downside <laughs> of them lying about iran yeah yeah I, I don't know about all stories but certainly any military activity anything <sighs> the point of the, the, there's no point in commenting on it missile strike you don't know how many we sent how many people killed 100% success, 0% success. No idea. And you might not know for years, if ever. Remember, was it Gulf War I when yes. the whole
3: Patriot missiles yep. shot down every single Scud missile?
4: Yeah. Uh, Saddam had these scary Scud missiles. that were supposed to be very accurate and devastating. But we had the Patriot missile. And we were told that they shot down every Scud missile. And it turns out we found out, I don't think it was years later, didn't shoot down a single one. Nope. Whiffed. And it's like um, those tests we do on, uh, every once in a while we test if we could shoot down an incoming missile with a nuke on it. Like if North Korea fired one at us. Mm -hmm. And we were told we were really good at it. Then the news came out that no. At least half the time we miss. Yeah, and I understand. that might be a lie. There's no reason to think the most recent story you heard is true either.
3: Right. Well, strategic misinformation is a good thing.
4: Yeah, I have no problem with it. It makes sense. Why would you want to tell uh, the American people, and more importantly, Iraq at the time, yeah, we don't have the capability to shoot down your missiles? No. (laughs) Right,
3: right. You know, just one final note, and then I know you had something you wanted to get into, but there were a, a handful of moments in my college education that were, wow, I'll be damned moments. And one of them was when a professor pointed out that democracies have a much harder time ending wars than dictatorships. Because national pride is at stake. Everybody's pulled together. It's our boys fighting, the rest of it. Dictators are just like, well, that was a bad idea. I quit.
4: And they can get out of a war like that. Plus, you can make up any story about why you quit. Right, exactly.
3: You could declare victory. And Mm -hmm. anybody who dares say, no, we actually lost it, you just behead them. So leaders are conscious of the passions of their people. Uh, And I'm not excusing government propaganda, but that's the reality of it. Joe is
4: anti democracy.
3: Admit me, chorus, to this history, who, prologue like, your humble patients pray, gently to hear, kindly to judge, the final thoughts of Armstrong and Getty.
4: Here's your host, and with every host you need a parasite, Joe Getty.
3: Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He's our technical director, pressing the buttons, Michelangelo. Final thought?
0: Yeah, today we had a story about a woman who painted a goat. You know, I'm not going to paint my cat, but I might put some shoes or a little top hat on her. (laughs) The wife's not going to
4: be happy. Paint your goat? Sick. (laughs) Sick. (laughs) Positive Sean is our producer. Sean, do you have a final thought you'd like to share? Yes, I was thrilled to get the results back of my COVID test that I do not have COVID, but now I need to figure out another reason why my back is hurting. I'm (laughs) I'm blaming me falling asleep on the couch. I'm going to see if that fixes it by by not doing that tonight. That'll do it. Yeah, I believe it's a calendar-related injury, if
3: you know what I mean. Because it's Uh, March? Because you're old. Jack, a final (laughs) thought
4: for the folks? I started the show Angrier Than Normal because I'd heard the story about uh, schools not opening and the teachers' union won and they're getting the billions of dollars. A couple other things set me off, so... Try to be less uh, angry tomorrow, but somebody texted, Jack, even when you try to sound calm, you still sound angry. That's just your gift. <laughs> <laughs> My final Always sounding cons-
3: angry. Considerably lighter than that. Second night in a row, I was uh, up like for an hour and a half because I have itchy mosquito bites. Does Can anybody recommend like a really good salve or cream or something? Have you considered sleeping indoors? Well, <laughs> I do sleep indoors. I'm just an outdoorsman. I love doing stuff out there. And for whatever reason, the
4: mosquitoes, because it's been warm, it's been biting me. Do you use repellent, like off or anything? Mm, not as much as I should. Yeah, I like the repellents. Armstrong and Getty, grab another grueling four-hour workday. So many people. Thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. If you enjoyed the
3: conversation with Mike Lyons, it's available as an extra-large podcast at armstrongandgetty.com
4: or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Uh, Also, you can get great swag that helps pay the guy's salaries at armstrongandgetty.com. I'll have to play that interview for my son because he watched the story the other night and he really wanted uh, a follow-up on that. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America.
5: Can we uh, get out of here, please? This is beyond dumb. I'm
3: going to call my lawyer. I
2: will not. Make that happen. That is the climax of foolishness. When it comes on for you to go, you have to go. I'm not here to browbeat anybody.
0: hi
4: Teaching math. If you have three men and two women, that's a fivesome. Fivesome. Three plus two is
1: five.
3: I don't think that was a serious addition to the conversation.
1: Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick